This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology and Heart Surgery Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Todd Knight, Director of Cardiovascular Services at Holland Hospital in Holland, Michigan. Todd, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I've always been interested in the human sciences I, ever since I can remember, probably since back in even grade school. Um, but when I entered college at that time in my life, I was lucky enough to gain some performing arts scholarships. So my major was in musical theater. Um, and as I went through that road, I changed my major to nursing as a flexible profession to exercise that original interest and still be uh, optional to travel all over the country if I needed to. I then went on and got my master's in science and nursing from Ferris State University in Michigan and found myself going into a leadership roles to make a difference for larger groups of patients than just my assignments and, and then also for those caring for patients and making bigger change. I'm certified in cardiovascular uh, nursing with the American Board of Cardiovascular Medicine and I am a certified legal nurse consultant. I serve currently uh, as a member of the American College of Cardiology's Michigan Chapter Cardiovascular Team Advisory Board, and I'm also the chair of the Advocacy Committee for the Michigan Organization of Nurse Leaders. I'm working, as you said, at Holland Hospital. I'm the Director of Cardiovascular Services here at the hospital. It's a 200-bed non-teaching facility in Holland, Michigan, and previous to this role, I worked at St. John Hospital over in Detroit, which was an, about an 800-bed tertiary academic facility. Uh, most of my 35-year tenure in healthcare has been in the cardiovascular service line. Got it, got it. Well, this will be, you know, a great conversation. I'm excited to hear your perspective. First off, what are your top priorities today and how do you anticipate they're going to change in the next 12 months or so? That's a great question. Um, and, and, you know, there could be a long list of priorities and, and that change. Um, but I think the things that come to mind currently uh, that have been a trend over the last couple of years is really to stay up on technology, particularly in the cardiology sector. Um, new treatments and interventions for coronary artery disease, heart failure seem to always be progressive and evolving from invasive non-invasive diagnostics to minimally invasive uh, interventions. Some of those examples uh, could be biodegradable artery uh, scaffolds or stents that are placed into the heart's arteries that dissolve over time. Those are the next phase of coronary artery intervention trials. Um, keeping on top of those this year, along with new Bluetooth wireless connectivity for obtaining real-time patient data from getting pressures and information from a communicating implant that goes into a patient's lung and uh, lung artery, and it just uh, hangs out there and it communicates information back to the physicians. That's something that this uh, year is going to be prominent on. Another priority probably would be it's very interesting and timely is caring for those that with vascular clots uh, and the urgent removal of these clots, not just from the heart's arteries, but from peripheral arteries in the lower extremities, as well as from the lungs and brain. Uh, this has been very timely with the influx of the post-COVID infection and associated inflammatory response, uh, resulting in the increase of clot formations and risks. So I would think that that also is going to take a front seat. Um, beyond procedural and service line priorities, however, uh, I, I think that a general leadership priority might be to really take the time to assess current workforce issues and new generation cultures entering the field of healthcare. Um, the pandemic has caused some rightful concerns and issues to address, and we really need to listen to those carefully and these concerns uh, to work with the frontline teams to create solutions uh, to the pains discovered uh, and their burnout.
Um, an example of that that we have discovered here at Holland would be beyond the financial rewards that typically are used as a tickler up front, but really to have something sustainable um, to be flexible to the team and offload that intermittent high volume and that high acuity that comes um, with with surges and or issues of of um, patients coming into the system and trying to prevent that burnout. So what we've done is we've created a um, overflow inpatient unit that's ready on standby to staff should we have a need to manage any influx of that type of increase in inpatient volume. Um, we did that before COVID, and when uh, that model was kind of in place, it was a lifesaver uh, when we had those inpatient surges several times over the past 15 months that we could operationalize and still be within our um, licensed bed um, numbers to, to take care of um, these patients and not stress out the staff that we have. Those are, those wow. are all right in front for me right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think, as you mentioned, all those are really important issues. And obviously, you know, not only from the patient care side and um, the innovations within heart care, but also just from the caregiver wellness side and making sure that, you know, you're, you're taking care of the teams there. Um, what right. are some of the, the big challenges that you're facing right now? Well, I would be amiss if I didn't recognize the one that's really up front is the cybersecurity threats and data security breaches uh, that are a real challenge of today. Uh, these threats have doubled in healthcare over the last year and um, are associated uh, with more information technology access points like we use currently with patient portals and in particular telehealth and televisits, um, which grew alone from 11% to 46% in 2020. And I'm sure they're even gaining higher numbers now. Um, it's ironic. I was just listening yesterday to Speaker um, Ron Huckman, uh, the CEO of Providence Health Systems, on the Becker's annual meeting keynote, and he had mentioned this as well, that the pandemic has caused a major shift to use more IT tools when doing interactive medical work, such as health visits, consultations, and even in hospital virtual visits. But anytime you go onto that Internet, you risk invasion and cyber threats. So just being consistently um, aware and engage your workforce to this challenge and awareness, uh, repeated education of do's and don'ts uh, of the uses of the Internet and email, that's, that's a big challenge today and making sure that we stay on top of that. Um, not wanting to bring up the dreaded words still causing problems and concerns, but COVID-19 has some effects of challenge that have not only affected our patient population, but unfortunately our healthcare workforce. Um, we've been very fortunate here at Holland Hospital that we really didn't go through the crunch of the PPE that was so widespread across the country, but we were fortunate to not have that problem. Um, but that adequacy um, concern over the country has also dropped 24% over the last year, so hopefully that's not a problem for many. But really what has ticked up is staffing concerns. Um, a recent survey done by the American Organization of Nurse Leaders that I just read showed staffing concerns being at about a 12% issue of concern last year, and this year it rose to over 65%. Um, and in particular, mental health concerns are prominent from about 18% a year ago to 67% this year. This initial challenge of COVID pandemic with two significant surges after that and dealing with human emotion and death and Extended worked hours are draining on many emotional and physical levels of healthcare roles. So resources to aid our workforce is vital in today's healthcare population beyond anything many of us have ever experienced, and that will continue to challenge us until we can get those in place and solid. 
Got it. Got it. I think that's a great point. And really, you know, something that um, I know a lot of systems are trying to figure out and overcome. So, you know, when you look into the future, um, do you have any current programs planned or in place that are really tackling those issues? You know, I don't know so much that it, I think those issues are being managed very well. I'm very, again, fortunate to where I work. We take those issues very seriously and and put things in place, like I mentioned about our flexible staffing model and um, our cybersecurity um, education that we have going out every month. Um, looking at opportunities and growth, I think we are constantly having to engage in current modalities that are on the horizon, always investigating community need, physician or specialty interests uh, that provide newer services. An example of that might be that uh, Michigan and our state approved cardiac electrophysiology procedures at hospitals without having open heart surgery on site. And uh, since we do not open, offer, sorry, open heart surgery, um, we can now look at to partner with our regional cardiologists to start doing things like this and doing some EP studies at the hospital. The current information age is offered such a fast pace when looking at technology in most medical specialties, but in particular with uh, cardiology, that's for sure. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, is there anything else that you're doing today to really uh, um, ensure service line growth in the future? Again, specific beyond that, um, just making sure we're on top of sustaining um, any opportunities that are out there. I think a, a bigger point than, than maybe coming up with a specific is to just make sure that you're not growing to grow. Does that make sense? So Absolutely. don't do it just because you think it's the, you know, you have to do that. But more importantly, when you grow, you have to be in line with your community need, cost effectiveness, obviously, and engagement of stakeholders. And if you don't have those things, it might not be the right thing to do. Um, you might want to either change something that you're doing or make something more efficient, but um, growth isn't always the answer to everything. It's important um, if you're able to manage it in those factors I talked about. Got it, got it. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Now, before we wrap up our conversations, can you share three pieces of advice for emerging leaders today? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I, I think new leaders really need to challenge themselves on innovation. Um, it's not so much just to come in and lead, but to be creative. Um, not so much to large logistical systematic changes, but to departmental workflows, cost analysis, efficiencies, um, engagement. Um, our new leaders need to think outside the box and, and be okay with making a mistake um, and to be supported with that. They need to realize to being supported um, in that way. Um, I always try to look to say, uh, myself to hire someone that's smarter than me um, and allow them that freedom of, of creativity. That's, that's vital. I also think that letting them know that change, quote unquote, is the new norm. Um, there should be little to no comfort of consistency or boredom of stagnation um, in any leadership role today. There are many moving parts in healthcare, uh, like reimbursement, resources, new scientific discovery, uh, to name a few, and, and trying to stay ahead while being flexible to population, payer regulation, and technology. Um, those are all key to sustaining um, what you're leading. So it's really an invigorating place to be in 2021. It's challenging, a little complex, um, but at the same time can be really fulfilling. Uh, I think the third one that comes to my mind, I jotted this one down earlier when I was thinking about things of leadership, um, this is 
been kind of evolved over probably the last year in my organization that we we really looked at this and and took it um, to a different level and it's made a significant difference and change, and that is for emerging leaders to always be grounded in all decisions based on the organization's mission, vision, um, or strategic essentials, whatever they have offered to their leadership team. So what you would do is that a self-assessment must be first aligned with that organization mission, right? So that if you're not in line with that, then maybe that's not the right place that you need to be working at. Secondly, um, those statements and those words to assess the relationship to your decisions. So that goes from anything from starting a new service or a product line to initiate to hiring personnel or capital investments that you might be considering. Those points of mission, vision, and strategic essentials are your grounded rule to base those decisions from. And that came about from a leadership development program that we had put into place, and it's made a significant difference for our entire organization. Todd, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. That would be great, Laura. A pleasure has been mine. Thank you so much.